0: Well, it's good to be here this morning. It's awesome, eh? Thank you. Thank you for those that came at 8 o'clock, especially Jeff and Des and Dan. we the three vehicles up 8 o'clock. a lot of gear to set up. but um, Hopefully, we might be able to get some space later on. As you know, notice, the hall's still been renovated, so it's not finished yet. So hopefully, the Lord willing, we will be able to get some storage space later on, but it's okay. So thank you for all those that lugged all the gear here. Appreciate all all the young guys who, are at the end, all have got to go back out again, back to Dajah and Dajah's place for the week. But thank you so much, and it's really good to be here, eh? It's. I funny. I was just sort of praying about what to share, and I thought, uh, you know, you're supposed to share something. I don't know. But I really felt to start a, a series on the Holy Spirit. I thought that's a bit weird. First message in a new place. So we're just going to do some. A bit of a series, I guess, on. The Holy Spirit. And it was encouraging just to hear David John's word because that's probably what it's about, that we need a new, fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, a little boof to give us a bit of a boost. So who knows? We'll see what God would does at the end. So I want to just spend the... I don't know how many we can do because it's so much about the Holy Spirit, but I just want to begin to emphasize that this morning. Um, I guess it would be safe to say that the Holy Spirit and his ministry has been one of the most neglected and mostly hotly debated subjects over the, all the centuries of the church. Much of the church, I guess, even today, sees the Holy Spirit as more a, as an impersonal force, something like the force being you, with you in like Star Wars. Impersonal um, can't really be known rather rather than a person because the Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person in the Godhead and he's equal in every way with the Father and the Son. And sometimes we forget that, that he's actually the third person of the Godhead. Most Christians can get their head around God as Father and maybe through the account of Jesus, especially through the Gospels, we have a grasp of who Jesus is, God's Son. But the Holy Spirit is often more of a mystery, surrounded with some sort of intrigue. I guess many would even find it hard to accept that he can be known like Jesus as an intimate friend. He is there somehow, but he's mysterious, maybe unknowable, sort of mystical in a way. The King James Version doesn't help either by calling him the Holy Ghost. And uh, that word ghost can dial up all sorts of images today. When you talk to non Christians, the Holy Ghost said, oh, what do you mean a ghost? So the King James is sort of that language. It sort of doesn't help, I don't think, trying to understand the Holy Spirit. But that's certainly not how the Scriptures portray him at all. And I'm just thinking about it. Many denominations, although they acknowledge the Holy Spirit as part of their theology, they're certainly not open to him. And they're not open to him coming in power, either because they're scared, or sometimes sometimes have the emotionalism that can go with it, the way he manifests himself. Or they've seen some extreme stuff done in the name of the Holy Spirit. They know about him, but far off, we don't really know him or his ways. And I think that's why many reject revival and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when it comes, because it's usually accompanied by unusual phenomena. I'm thinking about the day of Pentecost. You think of Acts chapter 2 it was pretty wild. It says there was a mighty rushing wind. Imagine that. Just you having a meeting and suddenly there's a mighty rushing wind comes into the room. That would freak most of us out for a start, right? Most of us would probably run out the door if that happened today. Tongues of fire, new languages, and it says the crowd thought they were drunk. And so you imagine that, okay, that these people are drunk. And so that means they were acting as though they were drunk. And that would be offensive to many believers today, as it has always been that way. It seems totally out of control to many. And so when the Holy Spirit comes, there is all sorts of strange things can happen. We tend to forget that vineyard really started out of a move of the Holy Spirit. And uh, most of you might know the story about when the Holy Spirit first came or came in power, it was with Lonnie Frisbee. Lonnie Frisbee was the leader of the hippie movement back in the 70s. And someone said to John Wimber at that stage, invite Lonnie Frisbee. And John Wimber had heard about Lonnie Frisbee. And he said, no way. I've heard some strange stories about him. And the Lord just said, invite him. And so Lonnie Frisbee came. And John was nervous. And he made sure the worship went on longer than normal. And uh, he didn't know what he was going to say. He got up and he started giving his testimony. And he said, oh, that sounds pretty good. Donnie Frisbee gave his testimony. And at the end, he says, right. And he says, you've grieved the Holy Spirit enough. He wants his church back. He took off his leather jacket, spun it around, just threw it. Come, Holy Spirit. And the place just exploded. Everyone just got totally flattened by the Holy Ghost. And John thought the devil had got into the church. All his elders stormed out, totally angry, annoyed, because everyone was flying around the room, falling down, crashing around. People were laughing. People were screaming, and he said, "Oh, the devils of the church! The devils of the church!" Because the Holy Spirit came with power. But it was out of that that really Vineyard began to explode, and became what it is today, simply because the Holy Spirit came in power, and it was through a, a guy who was, in some ways, seemed a bit eccentric. Lonnie Frizz was a bit eccentric, but when he began to, when he prayed and called the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came with power, and there was all sorts of wild manifestations. And sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is nice and gentle, but we can come in power and it can be quite frightening. I mean, I've seen people be picked up and thrown over two rows of chairs in meetings with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he's, he's gentle, but he's not always gentle. When he comes with a mighty mushy wind, look out, because all thoughts of things going to happen. The Holy Spirit is first mentioned in Genesis 1-2, right at the very beginning, in the second verse. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's also mentioned in the last book in the Bible, the last chapter, Revelation 22:17. 17. It says the Spirit and the bride say come. And it's about the coming, the final coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the age. And so we see it starts, Genesis starts with that and the Revelation ends with that, with the Spirit of God. Jesus was wide open to God's Spirit. You need to understand that Jesus was a real human being, which means he grew spiritually by learning to be open to the Holy Spirit. Jesus was God, but he became fully human. And because he was human, he needed to be empowered from day one with and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if that's true for him, it's even more necessary for us that we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, even more so. You see, because the question always is how did Jesus do all the miracles? How did Jesus do all those incredible miracles? How did he casting out demons, the miraculous, the supernatural? Was it because he was God in the flesh? Because sometimes we think, oh, well, that's okay for Jesus because he was God. But don't expect us to be like that, but that's not true. Jesus did Everything that Jesus did was not because he was God. It was because he was a man that was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was a man that was filled by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Surely, was, I know he was sinless and he was in perfect relationship with his father, but nevertheless, he did those things by the power of the Holy Spirit, not because he was God, because he was in human form. And we can see that in Acts chapter 10. Just have a look there. I won't talk too long. then one's going to pray at the end. Acts chapter 10. Let's turn there. This is Peter preaching, verse 37, 38, verse 34, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel. Tell him the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Peter points out two things. He went about doing good, healing the sick. How did Jesus do those things? Very clear. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus did those things because God was with him. Peter and others who wrote the New Testament, don't leave any room for doubt, Jesus as a man did all he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is critical because if we believe that Jesus did all this because he was God, We'll never attempt to do the things that Jesus did. And that's often what we do. We have a theology that says, well, we can't do that because after all, Jesus was God. We're not God. So we can't expect to do all that. But if you look at the scriptures, it's the opposite. Jesus did it as a man filled with the Holy Ghost. And he says, therefore, you can go and do exactly what I did. The Holy Spirit was the divine power which Jesus overcame human limitations to Do all that he did upon the earth. He was a spirit-filled man and he caused us to be spirit-filled people. Let's go to John chapter 1. And we'll see in verse 32 to 33. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would have not known him except the one who sent me to baptize with it, told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and testified that this is the Son of God. All the four Gospels mention this event. John saw the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus like a dove. The thing about a dove is a dove is quite a sensitive bird. The other thing about the Holy Spirit is incredibly sensitive. It talks about we're going to look at that maybe later on later weeks. But it says he he gets grieved, he gets quenched. The Holy Spirit is quite sensitive, and it doesn't take much for him to lift off. You know, I, I think we've all been there, and I've I've seen it myself. You know, you go into a meeting, and you know the Holy Spirit's moving in a meeting, and then somebody does something or they stop it without realizing it, and you can just sense the Holy Spirit lifting off a meeting. Lonnie Frisbee was like that. He said, every time you get together, every meeting you have, there's a move of the Holy Ghost. He said, but 99% of the time, the church misses it because he's very, very sensitive, and he, he will come, but if we ignore him or we don't know how to walk in obedience or to follow his promptings, he will just lift off a meeting. I don't know, most of you probably have heard of Toronto and John Arnott, but he talks about when the Holy Spirit came in Toronto back in 19, must be 1990 now, God poured out his spirit and there was all sorts of strange manifestations. And there was one meeting where his wife was doing all sorts of weird, just contortions in her body because the Holy Spirit was upon her. And he got quite offended and he was going to go over and tell her to stop, stop that nonsense enough. But he didn't. And about a year later, the the Lord spoke to him. He said, if you had stopped your wife from doing that, the Holy Spirit would have lifted off and that move of God would have been finished. And he got such a fright, such a shock. He said one little thing. You see, the Holy Spirit gets offended really easily. He wants to come, but many times we don't know what to do with him. You'll be in a meeting, the Holy Spirit comes and someone feels like we've got to do something. We, we, We move and it's like, that's not what the Holy Spirit's doing. And you can literally sense the Spirit of God just lift off a meeting. And you know that there was there was a the Holy Spirit was going to come and visit. But because we weren't sent enough or we're too scared or we just didn't want to go there, we pushed to the side. And he will just he's like a gentleman, he will just lift off. I remember years ago, someone there was a church, and they had someone had a vision in the church and they saw the dove, the Holy Spirit and it was outside the windows. It was in the church, and look at that. Oh, he saw the dove, and the dove was outside the door flapping his wings, wanting to come in, but the church wouldn't let him in. And it just horrified him, because see the Holy Spirit wants to come, but many times we don't welcome him. We don't know how to host him, if you like. It's one thing to talk about a move of the Spirit or seeing God come, but how do we host him? It's learning how to flow with the Holy Spirit, and that's not easy. Because it's risky and it's scary. Because it, when he comes, often he messes things up. He blows all our meetings apart. He blows his, blows all the program up. And we think, oh, we can't have that. We've got, We've got our agenda here. But, you know, when he comes, you have to learn to begin to flow with him. Otherwise, he will just lift off. He's a gentleman. Because he is a dove. You see, with Jesus, it says the dove remained on him. Because... Jesus was sinless in that sense, and so he was in perfect relationship, and so he, would, he did not quench the Holy Spirit, he did not grieve the Holy Spirit, and so he was able to host the Holy Spirit that remained on him, and he would go about, innocent, he said, he would go about plunging people into the Spirit, he said he would go around baptizing people in the Holy Spirit, baptism means immersion. And so he said he's going to go around, he's going to baptize people, immerse people in the Spirit of God. The best way to describe baptism is like taking a glass of water. You have a glass of water and it's taking that glass of water and it'll be plunging into a bucket of water. And so that glass is now totally immersed in the bucket of water. That's what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We might have the Holy Spirit within us, but when the Holy Spirit baptizes us, it's like he takes us and he plunges us in a bucket of water. We're totally immersed in the Spirit. And we have to learn to flow with that because I think we're like leaky vessels. We drain out really easy. And we need to be continually filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a, that's a command in Scripture. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be continually filled. Be be continually, continue being filled with the Holy Ghost because we need to be filled with the Spirit to remain With us, Matthew three sixteen. We'll just go there. It won't be too long. Matthew three sixteen. As as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, lightning on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. When the father announces that Jesus is his beloved son, Jesus knows that God is a special loving father. And this was an epic moment in Jesus' life and his spirituality because it ushers in the intimate relationship with God. And this intimate interactive relationship of the father and the son in the life of the man Jesus. Imagine hearing that. This is my son, whom I'm well pleased. And I love him. And if Jesus had to hear that, how much more do we need to hear that in our lives? That we're loved by the Father. And the Holy Spirit came upon the dove and it rested upon and remained upon Jesus. And even in the temptations or testings are connected because it says there that in chapter 4, verse 1, then Jesus led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. We don't like that verse, do we? Led by the Holy Spirit. We'll be rebuking the devil. It's the devil! It was the Holy Spirit who led him into the wilderness because he had to be tested, he had to be tempted. And he overcame the temptations... Because he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And it's interesting because if you read the account of Luke, it says he came out of the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. So in that place of temptation and testings, he was the Holy Spirit was on him as a dove. But then it says when he came out, he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was then there he began his ministry. Before that, we don't see any indication of Jesus doing any miracles, anything like that whatsoever. It was only after he was filled with the Holy Ghost and filled with power and came out of the desert that he began his ministry and the supernatural began to happen. Why? Because he was a man that was filled with the Holy Ghost. There's no sign of Jesus performing any miracles until after he was baptized. And I guess to be a follower of Jesus is to be open to the same spirit to whom Jesus is wide open. Jesus is wide open. And the question I guess we ask today, are we really wide open to the Holy Spirit? We'd like to think we are, but are we? Do we welcome him? Do we embrace him? You see, the Holy Spirit's got many functions. One of the main functions is is that what he does, he takes all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done for us and he makes that real in our lives experientially. That's part of his job. So when you get full with the Holy Ghost, what happens is that because he always comes to glorify Jesus but he takes what Jesus did on the cross all that Jesus accomplished for us and he begins to make that real in our experience in our lives that's part of the holy spirit's job he's got many functions but that's part of it we'll look at that in the few in the next few weeks Jesus was a spirit-filled human among humans and he calls us to be spirit-filled humans Jesus needed the Spirit's power to lift him out of his human restrictions, to carry him beyond limitations, and enable him to do the seemingly impossible. And the incredible thing about us in our Christian lives is that Jesus calls us to do the impossible. You notice that? And here's the incredible thing we can only do the impossible by being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, He doesn't ask us to do the possible. One of the things the church does—it goes to a default setting. It will do what it can do in its own strength. Church is always good at mercy, uh, things like mercy, maybe helping the poor, helping community. All those things are great, you know. We, we, you know, we can minister to the community. But you notice a lot of that stuff we can do without the Holy Spirit. We can do that on our own ability. We can do on our own strength, our own programs, our own ideas. We can go. And we can minister. We can. Minister the love of Christ, and it's it's, it's it's right to do that. But if it's just that, something's totally wrong, because he asks us to do the impossible. But most of us don't want to go there because it is impossible, because we need the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, you can even attempt to do that stuff. But he calls us to heal the sick, even raise the dead. We've longer to go yet, haven't we? Cast out demons demonstrate the power of God, demonstrate the love of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's impossible. And so what tends to happen is the church tends to go back to a default setting. That's too hard. That's too messy. That's too risky. How do we do that? Well, you have to be filled with the Holy Ghost because Jesus did that by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And if we are call ourselves spiritual believers, we should be looking and asking God to do the same through our lives. See, the question, I guess, is how much do we want Him, the Holy Spirit? Do you want Him to come and mess up your life? Do you want Him to come and empower you? Do you want Him to come and make it to shake you, to breathe on you because it's uncomfortable, because it can look weird, look strange? I remember going to John Wimber's meetings, when he came here years ago, I tell you what—if a non-Christian walked on, he thought he was walking into a loony bin. Honest, there was people flip-flopping on the floor, shaking, screaming, you name it, rolling around. People like helicopters, just like it was almost like unbelievable. It wasn't just a, a few people; everybody was just like totally. I thought, man, if a non-Christian walked in, think, man, this is what the heck's going on here. But see, when the Holy Spirit comes in power, it's like, it's like wow. And that's why often the church will reject it because it's just too far out outside their framework. That's weird. That's unbelievable. But that's what the Holy Spirit is like. If you give them free reign, it's going to get really messy. But you see, we need to be fully, afresh. we need to be filled afresh. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And You've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because you need the power of the Holy Spirit even to live this Christian life. It's impossible without that. Need to be baptized, whatever that looks like for me. it I mean, I'll say it in a Pentecostal church, and for me, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. That's I always believe that, still do. To me, it's one of the evidences of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Why speak in tongues? Because it's a prayer language, and so I've always believed that, still do. A lot of people don't, but I still. That's what I believe. That's one of the initial evidences of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. God will give you a prayer language. You need a prayer language. We all should be praying in tongues a lot more than we do. It's not just giving a five-minute shimmy-shimmy every day, right? It's far more than that. I remember when I first got saved, I'd go aside and I'd pray in tongues, whoa, for about four or five hours. I would see how long I could go for. I get exhausted. Because I knew it was a prayer language. And I know it's praying to the Father and praying according to His will. That's a powerful thing. It gives you power. It keeps you filled up with the Holy Ghost. And you see, I think sometimes we grieve the Holy Spirit when we don't speak in tongues enough. We grieve Him easily. Every time we ignore His promptings. When He He asks us to do something and we say, I'm not going to do that. And I've talked about, we've talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're God's gracelets. He's given them to the church. And I've said this before, the church needs to repent because how dare we think that we can have a church without the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating? Where are the nine gifts? He's given them to the church. They're the Holy Spirit. they gifts of the Holy Spirit. But again, because we're scared of them and it's too messy that we shut it down. But what does that do? It grieves and it quenches the Holy Spirit. And we wonder why God doesn't do anything. He we say, well, you don't want my gifts. I gave my Holy Spirit. Now, His precious gifts are like His gracelets that come dancing and sit on people's lives. And if you sit there and say, I'm not going to do that, guess what? The Holy Spirit said, oh, well, see you later. He'll just disappear. You're not open. He's incredibly sensitive. And we have to be people that learn how to be sensitive. We have to learn how to be obedient because the Holy Spirit will prompt us to do things and you think it's crazy. Just like Catherine running around or Rossella on the drums. Sometimes it takes courage. Sometimes it takes humility. Swallow your pride. I'm not going to, that's ridiculous. But you see, that's how the Holy Spirit works. He He, he wants us to be so sensitive to him. I remember one of the greatest revivals in Argentina back in the 70s. And it was was a true indication of a a revival. They knew that God wanted to come and they they met and they prayed. And they prayed and they prayed for a few months and nothing happened. And then one day the the leader, the pastor got really frustrated. He said, I don't know what's happening here, but whatever God's telling you to do, do it. Nothing happened. And then one one night there was a lady, an old lady, she said, well, I've been feeling for months. That I'm supposed to run around the communion table three times and tap it. And he said, "Well, do it." And she did. She went around the communion table three times, tapped the table, and the spirit of God fell. And they had a huge revival in Argentina. But because she had to be obedient, you see, it's that—it's that critical sometimes with the Holy Spirit. He gives us tasks. You see, if we ignore Him, it's—it's it's like He says, "Okay, it's okay. I'll just—I'll—I'll I'll wait." He will just lift off. You can carry on doing what you want to do, but see, it's costly because you have to learn to be sensitive and you have to learn to be obedient. And I just wonder how many moves of God have been aborted over the centuries because people just weren't ready or open enough to the Holy Spirit to let Him do what He wanted to do. Because it's costly, it's messy, and it's like, wow, that's far out. But you see, that's how the Holy Spirit operates. And so I just want to encourage you that this morning, that he is a person. Don't grieve him. Don't quench him. You see, if God gives you the gift, uh, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, don't sit there and say, oh, I'm not going to do that. Some of us are stubborn. I know that all the time. You say, well, you know, I really felt that I had this word, but I didn't want to. I was too shy. Or I didn't want to say that in case I was wrong. Get over it. Honest. Just grow up. Because that could be the thing that could actually open a whole meeting up to the Holy Spirit. He's just waiting. Sure, it's going to get messy. You're going to make mistakes? Absolutely. It's going to look crazy? Absolutely. But just get over it. Because sometimes you could be the one that's actually stopping what God wants to do. Just by your simple obedience. And sometimes it's the most smallest thing. You, think, oh, you get this little prompting. Just do that. You say, no, I'm not going to do that. No, no. And you know, it's amazing how we talk ourselves out of it, eh? Hey? In about five minutes, we can talk ourselves out of it. No, nah, that's not God. No, nah, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to look stupid. No, 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 no. Guess what? The Holy Spirit will just lift up. All right. It's okay. Because he's a gentleman. Sometimes he's not, actually. If he comes in a mighty rushing wind, he's not a gentleman. He just woof, move in. So I'm going to move in and just do what I want to do. Because he sometimes he's just so desperate to see God's kingdom come, he'll just break into a meeting. And you know, I just say, oh, I've had enough, I can't wait any longer. <laughs> I don't know, but that's, sometimes it's like that. And so let's stand, we, sure, this morning, and so that's just an introduction. We'll probably look over the next few weeks. Learning to be open to the... I remember Fraley had a word about three months ago, and she talked about don't It was basically, don't ignore the Holy Spirit. And I think it was a true word. Sometimes we can ignore the Holy Spirit. Realize that he's in you, he's with you, he wants to rest upon upon you. Listen to his promptings. If he's telling you to do something, for goodness sake, do it. Whatever it is. Because that's how we begin to learn to walk in the Spirit. That's how we learn to flow with what he's doing. So, Father, we thank you this morning. I thank you for just the gathering this morning. And we just welcome you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the word that John had, um, David John had, Lord, about you want to give us a little fresh breath. And so we even ask this morning, Lord God, you'd come with a fresh breath, like a fresh impetus, a fresh wind, a fresh wind in our sails, Lord, we, we've moved here, Lord God, but we need a fresh wind in our sails. Lord, we, we call ourselves spirit filled people, but Lord, are we spurt-filled? We want to be spurt-filled. And so we ask you to come this morning and, Lord, begin to fill us afresh. Lord, I ask you to breathe. Let's just wait a minute. Let's just... I want you to just focus and invite the Holy Spirit to come. You see, he has to be welcomed. Sometimes we don't even welcome him. You have to say, deliver the Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I give you permission to come and move on my life whatever way you want. I give you permission to fall upon me. I give you permission to move over me. I give you permission to let your gracelets dance upon me, Lord God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and that I would have the strength to be obedient in Jesus' name.